This is Fresh Ed, a weekly podcast that makes complex ideas in educational research easily understood. I'm your host, Will Brem. World Teachers Day is next week, on Monday, October 5th. This year, the event is being held entirely online because of COVID-19. With me is David Edwards to talk about the online event and some of the key people who will join. We also talk about some of the big issues that teachers face worldwide because of coronavirus. So there was massive disruption and this sort of over-promising, under-delivering in terms of tech. And what I heard from my members and their members around the world was, you know, there was no real plan. Coverage is not equitable. You have about 47% of the world's population that has no access to the internet, right? And, you know, you have half of them don't even have access to electricity, in, like stable, stable electricity. So there was this sort of conversation like, oh, we can just do everything distance, but of course that doesn't work. David Edwards is the General Secretary of Education International, the global federation of teachers unions, representing some 32 million teachers worldwide. He is also a board member of Fresh Ed and a regular guest on the show. Be sure to join the World Teachers Day celebration by visiting 5OCT.org. Again, that's the number 5OCT.org. Everyone is invited. Dave Edwards, welcome back to Fresh Ed. Well, thank you very much, Will. It's nice to be back. So can you tell me a little bit about what World Teachers Day is, which will happen next week? Yeah, uh, World Teachers Day is a global celebration. Of, of teachers. Started a little over, I think it was 1994. It, the idea was to commemorate the 1966 recommendations on the status of the teaching profession that uh, UNESCO and the ILO, International Labor Organization, adopted. Basically, what it, what it is is, and it's grown because it's for, sort of started with us and Education International and with UNESCO and ILO. UNICEF has since uh, joined and partnered with us as well. Um, and it's it's really grown in prominence over the years um, to a sort of a trending hashtag. Um, and in the past, we usually have lots of sort of in-person events. So there are concerts and you know rallies and symposia and research launches and all over the world um, commemorating it. When I lived in Cambodia, I remember during World Teachers Day, they would usually hold some big rally and there was big signs and there was there were speeches by teachers and researchers. And, you know, it was sort of this really, it was really quite a nice celebration of teachers. Um, and I always imagined that something similar was happening in all these different locations sort of during the same day. That's right. And they would happen in most countries Then we would compile sort of a report. We had a website. We still have the website. We put a, sort of a map up and you could click and see what was happening in, in different places or tune in. So, I mean, obviously with COVID, um, such events probably are not happening worldwide. So how is Education International planning on celebrating this year? That's a a really good point. Um, In-person events, even socially distanced ones, are not happening. And since since the lockdowns became, you know, and a billion and a half students uh, were no longer in school and we were all around the world kind of experiencing the same distance existence, um, you know, our members were on a number of webinars and calls. And I'd always assumed that it would be too difficult because of data and other things to get our members on all of these calls. But we we organized things with the WHO and we did things on research on what's happening around the the ed platforms and the edu businesses. And we were really surprised by, you know, 
like Sita Cambodia, for, others were, were sort of connecting in and we were doing regional ones, sectoral ones. We did like 35 of them in a four month Oh my period. gosh, so many webinars. Yeah, so, so death by webinar. Um, but it was back before it became just, you know, where it is now, I think. Um, and that time it was really exciting and you had the chats and, and people were like, what's it like for you? What are you doing? And I was on one that was webcast just for a couple hours. It wasn't an EI one. It was some, some colleagues and some friends that had done. But I saw there was 150,000 teachers on it. Oh, my gosh. You know? 150,000 teachers on the same call. On the same call. And, um, you know, it was the, 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 the T4 conference um, that Vikas Pota had put, up, put together. And um, there were a number of us that spoke on it, like Andreas and myself and a bunch of others. And, you know, and you could see that there were teachers from India and Nigeria, and they were all sort of tweeting and giving comments and interacting all sorts of different ways. It was being streamed on different platforms, uh, not necessarily with all languages. Um, and I was sitting there going, I've been told that this can't work. And so we came back and we looked at it and we got together and, I, and EI has regional offices around the world and I talked to the chiefs. It was sort of right as we were going into summer in the Northern Hemisphere. And I, and I asked, what do you think about curating? What if we did, because we can't do World Teachers Day, you know, together physically, but we're learning a lot. And, you know, we're, we're really active in organizing and our members are on the front lines of this. Um, and there's a lot we need to tell and, and tell the world about this. Uh, people are thanking teachers left and right. There's songs and, you know, really great appreciation, which is fantastic. But we ourselves as a professional are learning a lot. We wanted to, to think about that. And so the chiefs, you know, to their credit said, that sounds really crazy, David. But um, if you want to try it. And um, so we started mapping it out and looking at what actual time zones, what that would mean. And uh, we, came up, we came up with the idea of, well, as the world turns, we can actually have the sun rise and set on World Teachers Day and uh, have a virtual mobilization, convening, celebration um, that hits on a lot of different important issues and really involves a lot, of, a lot of teachers and communities and activists and people. So you're saying that this is going to be a 24-hour webinar online? Yeah, I mean, webinar makes it sound painful. So I, I think it's uh, a 20, you know, sometimes it feels like it's not a 24-hour conference, a 24-hour broadcast. It's a 24-hour it's a event that will have regional components to it. And you can come in and out of it at any, any number of places. Um, obviously, it'll have some plenaries. It has some set pieces. We have global dialogues, which cut across the regions on, on major issues and topics. And we have a lot of uh, interesting figures that, are, that have already promised to, to participate. Can you give us any, a sneak peek of some of the people who might be speaking? Uh, we're just speaking with, with Jane Goodall. Um, and she's, she's going to join us and talk to us a little bit about climate education, uh, what's going on, and thinking about pan the pandemic and that. Um, our good friend Pasi Salberg is going to be joining us from Australia, talking about you know, the, the issues around play and uh, education and, and, and the pandemic. And we have the president of Argentina, who's actually going to uh, zoom in uh, in the Latin American portion. Actually, Lula's joining us then as well. 
Um, we have we have the president of Taiwan, ministers of education of I think it's in Asia. I, I think it's something like six or seven countries, Mongolia, um, that are coming in uh, to join as well. Um, we have heads of UN agencies. Uh, we have Amina Mohammed, uh, the deputy secretary general of the United Nations. Henrietta Four of UNICEF. Guy Ryder, uh, ILO, good friend. Um, we have. Um, we have Kailash Satyarthi, Maria Ressa will be um, chairing a session. We have uh, a number of uh, people, Andreas Schleicher, um, and, and also, you know, some less likely folks that I won't say that, we're, that are thinking about coming on, and we are really hoping they will, and we'll kind of keep it as a bit of a surprise as we get closer to the day, and we might reveal a few more big ones. Wow, that's really quite a, a pretty big lineup. And so, you know, is is this an event or, yeah, an event, as we're calling it, is this an event that's open to anyone to sort of... Open to anyone. Anyone can, anyone, if you um, go to 5OCT5OCT.org, the website is up as of today, um, and it, you can you can register uh, for the event, get information about it. As the program is updated, you'll get to see uh, speakers are added, um, different ways you can interact with it. Um, obviously, we're going to have some polls. We'll be having um, some opportunities to ask questions. I have the Director General of the WHO joining us to talk about um, vaccinations and school health, and we'll have an opportunity to interact with Dr. Tedros on that. Um, so we can actually have questions, opportunities for teachers to upload what they're learning themselves. And some of those videos we'll put, we'll put up uh, onto the, the broadcast as, as well. Amazing. I mean, it's such an enormous and potentially powerful event. How many how many people are you sort of expecting to be joining? Is this going to be 100,000, 150 or? Yeah, I, 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 I think I mean that the, the event that had 100,000 plus um, was and I was kind of helping a little bit and trying to get the word out about it, um, but it didn't have organizations behind it with membership and, you know, and we have 400 member organizations, and we have many partner organizations that we work closely with, uh, who have members and students and parents, and going to help us get the word out. Um, it's it's hard to say. I mean, we're 32 million in in the total membership of EI. That's where everyone to completely turn it on and you know reach out. And I think that uh, at any one time, yeah, we should be able to have 100,000 more um, at different moments throughout it. It's really, it's sort of like the most cutting edge um, idea I've heard for online events during the pandemic. I mean, we really have come a long way from, from the beginning when we were just learning how to use Zoom and you know Microsoft Teams and everything else that still stumbles um, at least me up quite often. So I, I want to talk a little bit about what are some of the big themes when it comes to teachers this year? What are some of the big issues and themes that you, you know, want to highlight in the teaching profession as saying, you know, th this is what we should be thinking about going forward? Yeah, so I, I've been surveying the members of my executive for the past several months in terms of what they've been learning. And we've surveyed our members. We put out uh, two surveys and reports and um, and really listening to, to, to what's going on. Um, and I mean, one of the things that I think everyone understands is that this, we're not experiencing this in the same way, right? So there was this sort of, let, let's go with on the tech side and the, and the connectivity side to start with, right? So there was this assumption 
uh, I think, a false promise or hope by, by the edu-business tech sector that this was going to be, we just need to disrupt education and everything would be better. Now, I don't think anyone thinks that everything is better now. And so there was massive disruption and this sort of over-promising, under-delivering in terms of tech. And what I heard from my members and their members around the world was, you know, there was no real plan. Coverage is not equitable. You have about 47% of the world's population that has no access to the internet, right? And, you know, you have half of them don't even have access to electricity, in, like stable, stable electricity. So there was this sort of conversation like, oh, we can just do everything distance, but of course that doesn't work. And then there was this, this, this whole issue around teachers were telling us, but the ministries didn't give us equipment, right? They were asking us to use our own phones. This will actually come up in World Teachers Day too, because this is some of the, the things that we've been hearing about. Um, just sort of the, the unequal provision of, of the tools that, that teachers needed, you know? So that was a that was a major that's a major issue, um, in terms of the resources and um, another major issue was just in terms of consultation, dialogue, voice. Uh, you, I mean, I think you could see it almost in every single country, with a with a few, exception of a few, where you know, every day people would be checking the newspaper to find out are they going back to school, are the schools closing or opening, are we going to be teaching with masks, are we going to be socially distancing. You know, I was talking to some of my affiliates in some more uh, heavily populated and under-resourced countries going, uh, Dave, we have 100 kids in a classroom. That's a joke. We haven't had running water. I mean, hand sanitizer. How about, how about soap and water? You know, how are we going to, you know, the, and the Kenyans organized around this, the Zimbabweans. Uh, lots of people organized around it. And so there's, there's that issue of, you know, uh, information, lack of information. Uh, misinformation, lack of dialogue, lack of trust, and this sort of belief that we'll just, teachers will just, no one really thought of teachers too. It was like this issue in, in school personnel. We'll just send them back and make sure they go back. I was on a, I, I heard many stories, but countries where they hadn't even thought about who decides if someone goes on sick leave or how that's even handled. So like if, if a teacher were to get COVID and then have to stop yeah. teaching who i mean what's what's the plan no plans you know uh, is it a doctor's note can they themselves stay home right there's there's an interesting thing in terms you know with planning where you know you really do want to involve teachers of course through most of educational planning and i know in normal times that even is often difficult to do usually these plans get concocted by by ministries by donors by external experts and then sort of just given down from on high to teachers to go and implement and it causes a lot of tension with the pandemic it really seems like there's a there's this sort of collective shock and trauma that we've gone through and people are just sort of caught like deer in headlights just sort of frozen and you know not knowing how to to react let alone plan for some you know for some future that is worse you know getting to you know as the school openings were coming closer day by day, you know, over the summer in the Northern Hemisphere. So it's it's just this really strange moment to sort of step back from and watch because it's it's so predictable, right? We, we know a lot of what was going to happen, but yet we're still unable to sort of act. And it, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it sort of is a bit disappointing in my mind. Yeah, I, I think it's it's very disappointing and it's very revealing, you know, because if you think about, you know, 
this is fresh ed, so we have to talk a little bit about ed theory and ed <laughs> Thank policy, you. right? So, I mean, so the proponents of highly decentralized, you know, and um, in terms of both funding and, and governance systems, right, um, were completely caught flat foot because you had countries where every district had its own or lack of its own plan. Thinking of one in particular, but there are many, many others, you know, and uh, it's it just for equity, for quality, you know, it was just for assessment, for, you know, for, for basic instruction, materials, curriculum, you name it. I mean, it was like, there was one region in the, in the broadcast, in the, in the event, when we get to the Caribbean, and I was talking to the Caribbean Union of Teachers, you know, natural disasters are sort of a thing they've come used to and disruptions. And so they have sort of plans when this happens and how it works and how they, how they handle all of those issues. Did they implement those during COVID? Yeah, on varying degrees. I think we'll hear Jamaica more or less. Um, they, they, I think Trinidad, because of some things with the curve, they weren't able to do everything they wanted. But, but at least they were. They have a sort of a, a school readiness task force that immediately comes together, to sh- and they know how the information shares, and and the unions know their role, and the ministries know their role, and the parents know you know, what, what's going to happen and to be watching for this. And if there's a change, then, you know, X, Y, and, and you know, and, and to have that happen in places. And I was asking the, the Jamaican, you know, teachers about that. And they said, well, you know, it's hit us. Maybe it's the fact is that you, you never need your unions until you really need them. You never need really good school governance and leadership until you really need it. Right. And that, that seems to be, to be the story. So the deer in the headlights um, is really unfortunate because, you know, think about all this that goes into, well, all the data that gets collected, right? These, these dashboards and these indicators and, you know, but who needs to know it and what, what decisions does it inform has been given so, so much less attention. You know, the gathering of data versus the use and the, 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 the sort of thinking around that data and for, and what, what decisions get informed by that data. And I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah, and you know, and, and this interesting, this idea of there's so much to learn from systems that operate in where natural disasters are more common. I know in Japan, for instance, you know, the earthquakes that are sort of always present and always on people's mind. The preparation, when I lived in Japan, you know, we had a to-go bag in our house ready to go if there was ever an earthquake. Um, And that level of preparation was sort of dispersed through society. You know, most people heard the, 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 the earthquake drill that would come every once in a while um, in Tokyo. And even the school systems had, you know, preparations for earthquakes. And so such natural disasters, you know, that, that idea of preparation is so important and it's so, It's so interesting and revealing, as you said, to see systems that are simply not prepared for disruption or disaster. Um, And maybe a lot of systems have been a bit complacent over the years and underfunded, of course, and, you know, not listening perhaps to people on the ground inside schools as much as they, they should have been. And now we're sort of caught in this really awful moment. An overlay on top of that you know, this whole post-truth, you know, authoritarian populist, mm. you know, 
episode that we're nightmare episode that we're living, um, where what in some countries is just common decency and common sense is to listen to what scientists and experts are saying, um, and others get, that somehow gets politicized. You know, so you put that you put poor planning, right? Poor systems thinking. Um, lack of uh, lack of uh, equitable resource and understanding, you know, and then you you just sort of pour into that, you know, this this sort of um, Trumpian, you know, you know, it's it's just funny. The first time I saw a video about the the mask debate, teachers don't have the mask debate, right? I mean, there's people were writing to me like, from different countries, like, what, what's the is that like a gravity debate? Is that I, is this like a flat Earth thing, Dave? What's what's this? It's like I, you know, I, I, it's 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 sort of a perfect storm in many ways. And then if and then if you have autocrats, you know, like in the Philippines and and and, and Turkey and, and and Russia and and autocrat wannabes um, in, in in a couple other countries, you know, you can very easily take advantage of that vacuum of information, of that fear. And uh, you, can also, you can also sort of ram through a lot of things that you were looking for an opportunity to do that, uh, that, that take away people's rights or, or, or demonize a certain group against another group and you know, pour the blame anywhere but themselves, of course. And, uh, and we watched that sort of civic space unravel and uh, that social contract unravel and uh, you know, that's, it accelerates a lot of that in those countries. Have you, in any context, do you, like, are there any examples of where teachers have been sort of under threat during the, the coronavirus pandemic, where, like, all of a sudden it sort of bubbled up and emerged, and, you know, m- you know maybe we can think of it as an opportune time to do some of these really nasty things to teachers because there's so many other distractions going on that maybe doing these awful threats might be go under the radar, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you, it's, 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 there's so much that it's actually quite hard to track it all, right? So the geopolitics of this are very, very hard to track at the same time you're having a U.S. election and Brexit and everything else that's happening. And they also, but I mean, take the Philippines, right? Which is a, a country that I've been to a number of times, um, new um, anti-terror law, um, that is being used to sort of squash journalists' rights, um, teachers' rights, and um, and basically calling for paramilitaries to to go out and um, you know do the, take, engage these extrajudicial killings. Um, our members in the ACT, the Alliance of Concerned Teachers, of the Philippines just lost um, an organizer about two weeks ago. Um, she was killed out, just out or, to organizing, and it's one of several. And so we've had massive, massive upticks in the killings. Um, we'll be having a, very soon a, a webinar uh, on that in solidarity uh, with the Philippines. And the Philippines themselves during World Teachers' Day, they're just going to keep defying it. The teachers are going to defy it. They're going to actually broadcast from the streets. So if, you get, if you're awake during the Philippines section of World Teachers' Day, you actually get to go out in the streets of Manila with them. You know, because they... They just say it's the, the risk is too high. You know, they, they were one of the first countries to ratify the UN Declaration of Human Rights and look how, how far it's been eroded. So that's, you know, that's one place where we're, we're, we're quite concerned. It's, it's an interesting balancing of risk, isn't it, between, 
you know, COVID-19 risk and large gatherings, and then the risk of being killed by an extrajudicial militia. I mean, it's sort of, you know, gosh, uh, it's it's something that I can't even begin to fathom trying to have to balance such a risk. You know, I mean, I feel so privileged, you know, living where I do. Yeah. Well, I mean, we sleep probably in the same, I go, I sleep in the same house. Now that I'm not traveling too, it helps not being in airplanes. But I mean, the the leader of, the, of one of my organizations, he can't spend two nights in the same bed. Yeah, right. Wow. You know, so I mean, so we have situations like that. It's not just there, um, right, right around the world. I'm worried about the Hong Kong teachers and, and China's crackdown there. Um, I'm worried uh, about what I'm seeing in, in Jordan right now. I'm worried about um, the teachers in, in Belarus right now. I'm quite concerned in Iran. And uh, we get little victories. I mean, the, the, the Korean teachers union, uh, Kwang uh, Yojo, were for a very long time critical of, a, of the park regime, right? And, um, and the response of the government was to deregister them. And so they fought it for eight years in the courts and the ILO. And we backed them up and supported them and had massive sort of campaigns about their rights to. And just last week, they were re- reinstated. They were re-registered. So they won. Oh, that's excellent. So, so the, the teachers of Korea have an independent, you know, trade union, teacher trade union there again. Um, I think that gives a bit of hope to those in countries, Zimbabwe and Iran and, and other places where they're they're under constant attack. I mean, that is a really, it is good to celebrate those moments. You know, another positive that I've seen is it seems to me there is this recognition of the value of education beyond simple, you know, future economic employment or even issues of citizenship. I think people are really recognizing that education plays this social welfare role in society and particularly you know, in societies that don't have a very big social safety net where, where education is perhaps the, you know, one of the only universal services that people have access to, you know, parents are, are very quickly realizing how valuable education is for that social welfare aspect. And to me, I don't know, that's quite refreshing. It takes the, our eyes off of just this constant focus on sort of, you know, future economic growth through better jobs and productivity. And so that, to me, that's a really positive thing that's happened. Do you know there was a there was a time when I would be on a panel at the bank or somewhere, uh, and someone would be talking about the rate of return for school feeding, and that the the investments just weren't that high when we saw the the learning, and there was a fade out of the learnings. Are you you're talking about eating food? <laughs> have you have you ever been hungry? Have you ever tried to pay attention in school, or have you ever tried to go through a day? You know, and, and you're in these sort of pristine, far-removed places that are sort of building these assumptions into these models about what are the best interventions. And, and some of it just seems so ridiculous now, right? Like the, the whole, you know, the whole stuff about um, a piece of, what's the, what's the added value of a piece of chalk, you know, or you know, whatever variable you add to, to you know, in sort of some, some like regression analysis. And is it too, so you go, you go, it, it all seems so... You know, if the, the, the teachers are, are paid, if they're not paid, we seem, we seem lower teacher effort when teachers aren't paid on time. How do you feel when you're not paid on time? You know, it's like, you know, so all these, these, kinds of, the, these kinds of issues, but I do agree with you that, um, you know, because of the sort of Black Lives Matter, you know, we had Al Sharpton come and, and we, we did a, a, a conversation uh, with the PSI and EI and uh, talking about 
the sort of, okay, what are we learning in this and what's the kind of world we want to create? You know, uh, what is, so let's, let's have these conversations, you know, let's, let's just call it what it is and let's, let's, let's actually teach about this. I, I was hopeful because I saw a lot of that sort of bubbling up around the world, sort of anti, really specific anti-racist curriculum teaching. And, and, and then I, I, I also saw these sort of from students. I was, very, I was very excited. I don't know if you saw this. There was a great video that the uh, Argentine students did about you know, comparing now to the dictatorship. And they said, when it's your turn, it's your turn. Yes, the schools are closed. But for our parents, the school was a place of organs because they were being disappeared. And when it touches you, you have to, we have to come together and we have to learn from this moment and we have to demand something better. And we have to build something better. You know, we have to look at, at, at the, the most vulnerable and, you know, who's benefiting from this. And a lot of the students have been talking about that and really mobilizing around that. That's, that's given me a lot of, a lot of hope, too. But I mean, there's still the reality that more money has been given to bail out the airline industry in the United States than all of the additional aid that has been marshaled to for COVID. So, you know, I, I still want there to be some economic, I still want to, to, to take a look at some companies are still, Amazon's bottom line is doing just fine. Yeah, right? I mean, they're not worried at all. In fact, they're happy with this situation, everyone ordering things at home. Right. I think there is a recognition that school itself as a center of a community, the, 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 the institution of school and of education, if the socio-emotional, the, 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 the social, the fabric, it's irreplaceable. And it's just great that the people who for so long were kind of going against the brick and mortar and let's do more online and porosity and you know, from home and things are now saying the only way kids can learn is if they're in school. It's like, I, I'm just been in all these like Zoom calls. Like, can you just stop for a second and back up? I just got to tape you saying that. Because I have this feeling a year from now, if we're through this, you know, and I play this for you, you, you know, you won't even recognize yourself. I mean, and this is, this is going to be the really interesting thing going forward is, so everyone wants to get back to some normal. But at the same time, you know, obviously we've learned things during this process about what education systems can be. And I think it's about... How do we make sure these new values, or not necessarily new values, just values that we've sort of put at the top of the priority list rather than sort of near the bottom and didn't necessarily, or we didn't always think about. How do we keep those at the top? How do we keep mobilizing to say, you know what, like you said, communities or schools are at the center of many communities and we need to work to ensure that they are you know, fair, safe places for children where parents are involved, where teachers are empowered. I mean, to me, this is the project ahead. You know, how do we keep that going as we hopefully eventually shift back to more face-to-face, -face, right? I mean, this is this is going to be the great struggle, I think. Yeah, and do that safely. Yeah, and, exactly. And to do that in a way that's, I mean, that's that's the other challenge we have right now. I don't know if you've, we, had, we put out our sort of forward to school guidance um, in terms, because there's no doubt, and that's the other thing, all teachers, all, want to be back in schools with their students. They are not enjoying teaching through a mask. They are not enjoying trying to figure out all these different, you know, apps and platforms that the district says one day it's this one, next day it's this one. You know, um, we're going to use this algorithm to grade these kids. Nope, forget that. We're not. We're going to teach from a, half the kids from home and have you. Nope, no. Actually, everybody's going to be at home. Nope. Actually, everyone's coming in. Nope. You know, and it's, you know, it's just. So we have, the other thing is that the teachers themselves are recognizing that actually they would like to have some things written down in a contract. Uh, they would like to have some clarity about, you know, 
where the edges of, of, of possibilities are, even if they want to have flexibility. You know, just because schools close, they don't stop being teachers. But we're seeing sort of an uptick in, in, in member organizations in teachers joining uh, because they want, to, they want to have a strength and they want to have a say. And, and if there isn't going to be testing and if there isn't going to be tracking and tracing and all the other things you know, that the, the health professionals are, are recommending, you know, then they want to be able to say, well, wait a second, at what point, what point is, does my life matter? What, at what point does my, my, my child who might be, you know, immune suppressed or something? And, that, and I think that's, that's the other lesson we're going to talk about on World Teachers Day, which is where we, we, you, you connect this line through, through sort of what ever, teachers are experiencing in the pandemic and sort of the collective action and understanding and structures that, that need to come into being or are there that just need to be strengthened in order to, to act on that and make those more fair, more just, more equitable. Well, it sounds like a really fantastic event that's coming up on October 5th is the date. That's right. So, David Edwards, thank you so much again for joining Fresh Ed. Always a pleasure, Will. And I look forward to seeing you on World Teachers Day. Thank you, Will. Take care. David Edwards is the General Secretary of Education International. You can join the 24-hour live stream of the World Teachers Day event by visiting 5OCT.org. Again, that's 5OCT.org. See you there. A transcript of today's interview can be found at freshedpodcast.com. Please note that opinions expressed on Fresh Ed are solely those of the host or the guest interviewed, not Fresh Ed which takes no institutional position. If you've liked what you've heard today, please rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Reviews really do help. Fresh Ed's team includes Sherry Yang, Hong Zong, Lushik Waba, Fatih Oktas, and In Jung Cho. Original music for Fresh Ed was created by Digital Primate. Fresh Ed is an independently run podcast without advertisements and is made possible by the support of the Open Society Foundations, NORAG, and listeners like you. Please consider becoming a monthly sponsor of Fresh Ed by visiting freshedpodcast.com support. All U.S.-based donations are tax deductible. Thanks for listening. I'm Will Brem, and I'll be back next week.